You can open up your books to page 13. My name is uh, David Papillon. If you didn't uh, meet me yet, um, if you haven't gotten to meet me, come to me sometime this time at camp and just introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you. I'm the pastor at Grace Bible Church. I've been there for a few years, but it's, it's fantastic to be here together um, and to be with all of you. Tonight we're going to be talking about the great reward of humility. The great reward of humility. Once again, we're going to be in your booklets, page 13. Page 13, if you want to follow along and take some notes. But be, before we begin, um, let's pray together and ask God to truly come here and, and instruct our hearts through his word. Our God in heaven, we are thankful. We're thankful to come here. We're thankful for the, the ability to get away from distractions and to focus on your word, but more so to focus on you and your person and your greatness and your holiness. And we pray that you would be merciful and kind to reveal your great glory and holiness to us even this weekend. We don't want a man-made humility. We don't want to simply follow a few helpful steps to make ourselves better individuals. We don't want anything that is of us or by us or through us. We want a humility this week that comes from entering into your presence, understanding the truth of your person, and grasping the the sharpness and the clarity of your word, and bowing our knee in humble submission to you and to your person and to your will. And I pray that our hearts would be ready to do this this week. This would be our focus. And I pray that you would fill our lives with your word to elevate your person before us. Amen. Amen. So school is starting very soon, very soon. How many of you get to go back and start school right away? Anybody? Some of you already are in school. You thought, you thought he was a leader, but actually that mustache, he's a student. He's starting school. <laughs> 14. He's only 14. All right. How many, of, how many of you are excited for school? All right, good. The rest of you are telling the truth. All right. If I was to ask you this question, though, what do you need to change in your life this fall? What what do you really need God to bring and do in your heart and in your life this fall? Maybe before school starts, maybe maybe during school. what, what, What would you say, man, I really wish God would change me in this way this year. What would that be? What What is your issue? Perhaps it's something that you bring here to summer camp. Perhaps it's something that you've been keeping to yourself for a very long time. Perhaps it's something that you're very embarrassed by. What do you need? What is your issue? Is it, is it lust? Is it that debilitating addiction to pornography, to just another image? Is it a lackluster performance in Bible reading every morning where you just have no reason to wake up in the morning and you have no joy in God's word? Is it 
Laziness. Are you just a lazy individual who does nothing? Is it a crippling fear or debilitating anxiety? Or we could look at it on the opposite side of things. What, what do you really want? What, do you, what would you really desire spiritually for God to do in your life? Maybe, maybe you would want a close and a, a quality friendship to come into your life. Maybe you would want to enjoy worship, enthusiastically sing God's praises like never before. Not just singing, but, but having also a whole life that is shaped by worship and, and a desire to magnify Christ in everything you do. Maybe you wish you had a stronger prayer life that, that was deep and rich. Maybe you wish you had self-control Maybe in your speech, maybe on social media or with your time. Maybe you wish you were more useful to others. Maybe you wish you could just be of benefit to someone in your life and do something helpful for anyone. Maybe it's for greater love and obedience to Jesus. I just don't obey Christ like I should, like I know I want to. Maybe it's a boldness. Maybe it's a a willingness to stand for Christ in a Christ-hating world. Maybe you're like, I I am ashamed of Christ. I have no boldness for Christ. I I would not endure persecution well at all. When someone even suggests I'm a Christian, I shrivel up. What are you after? What are you after? What is the spiritual growth that you most want? What is the spiritual muscle that you would like to be strengthened? I've got a surprise for you, and maybe it's not a surprise for you. But the Bible has a surprise for you. The Bible says that the highest spiritual glories come from the lowest spiritual postures. What do you you want God to do in your life? What great strength do you want to see grow in your life? What muscles do you want to strengthen? The, the, the highest spiritual places come from the lowest spiritual postures. That, that if, if you are after something in your life, what we're talking about this weekend is most important for you. If you want to grow in any way in your Christian life, what we're talking about this week with you is what you are in need of. You need humility before you can do anything. I love what John MacArthur says about humility. John MacArthur says, humility creates the vacuum that divine grace fills. When you get low before God in humility, divine grace floods your life with strength. And you are able to do things that you did not know you were able to do. But it only comes from the lowest of low spiritual postures before your God. The Bible actually, and and God, God's way, seems relatively flip-flopped. God's way to glory, God's way to greatness, God's way to life seems exactly upside down of what our world and man-made wisdom expects. It is the very opposite outcome. The world says you need to 
get up, get high, exalt yourself to gain something. And God says you need to get low and humble yourself. God says blessings, rewards, promises, life, glory, joy, all come to you through humility. Bending down, getting low. It's been said, and I was reading this a couple weeks back in a book, uh, God doesn't keep his blessings, his grace, his goods of life on the top shelves of life that, that only can be gained by, by getting and growing and reaching higher and higher. But no, God keeps his, the grace and the goodness and the blessings and all the good things of life on the lowest shelves that you have to stoop down and humble yourself to reach and possess. That's where the blessings of life come, not from exalting yourself, but humbling yourself, humbling yourself before God. Consider a few Proverbs. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says this, a man's lofty pride brings him low, but a lowly spirit will take hold of glory. Or consider Proverbs eighteen twelve. Did I already say that? I said 29.23. This is Proverbs 18.12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, but humility goes before glory. Notice the pattern. And then, of course, our Lord himself in Luke 14.11 says, uh, Jesus says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Think about that. God's way of life, God's calling to you, even this week, as you're sitting in these seats, is upside down of what the world will call you to do and call you to become. You must do the exact opposite. You must get low to find life, to find joy, to find riches, to find glory. God's way is upside down. Or, maybe we should say, we're the ones that are upside down. Maybe... God is the one that's upside, uh, right side up, and maybe the world, and through our sin, we have turned ourselves upside down and prefer to think about our world and our life in a very self-centered manner. Matter of fact, I love Stuart Scott. In your books that you're going to be reading this week, Stuart Scott says this about humility. Humility is the character quality that will enable you to be all Christ wants you to be. Let me read that again. Humility is the character quality that will enable you to be all Christ wants you to be. Do you want to become more like Christ? Humility is the character quality that enables that. You can have nothing. You can have nothing of Christ-likeness without first going after humility. And pride is the exact opposite. Pride is that thing that is keeping you from conforming to Christ, becoming like Christ, following after Christ. Pride is the thing that keeps you exalting yourself and keeps you from humbling yourself. But humility is the key. Humility is the key to the Christian life. And as I've been reading it, I'm finding humility is the the center point of the Christian life. It is the, the key to service. It is the key to bold evangelism. It is the key to resolving conflict. It is the key to leading people. It is the key to willingly following people in humility. It is the key to killing your sin. It is the key to resisting temptation. But if you don't have humility... You can do none of these things. That is what humility 
offers us. And as we turn to Proverbs 22, I want to just show you one proverb. It'll be kind of our our theme passage for the week. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says this about humility. Proverbs 2, or 22, verse 4. I'm actually going to read the whole context just to give you a feel. I believe there's a flow to all of these Proverbs. We're going to read Proverbs 22, 1, all the way through 5. Proverbs 22 says this, A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together in this. Yahweh is the maker of them all. A prudent man sees evil and hides, but the simple pass on and are punished. And then verse 4, our verse. The reward of humility, the fear of Yahweh, is riches, glory, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked, He who keeps his soul will be far from them. But let's go back to verse 4. The reward of humility, the fear of Yahweh, is riches, glory, and life. I want to just examine this verse for a few moments with you. What do we learn about humility from Proverbs 22, verse 4? Well, first thing, the first thing I want you to learn about humility is humility is a great reward. Do you see that? Humility is a great reward. It's something that you should want. It's something that you should seek after. Natural outcomes of humility. That's what reward means. This is the natural outcome of humility. God has baked in wisdom into our world that those who humble themselves will actually find glory. That is the the natural outcome, the reward of humility. It's built into the creation's design. Proverbs isn't promising things as much as it's predicting things. This is what will likely happen. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. They will find riches, glory, and life. This is not promising these things all and every single time you humble yourself, but it is making a highly accurate prediction. But notice this, humility is a reward, humility is a a crown of life. It's it's the pathway to what you actually want, It's, it's the secret to enjoying life. It's surprising too. The word humility... In Hebrew, there's lots of different words for humility, as you'll learn in your quiet times this week. But lots of times these words refer to bending or stooping or becoming low or being bowed down or being sober in mind. That's what humble people do. They get low. Puffed up people get high and they're they're drinking their own Kool-Aid, so to speak. But humble people get low. This is surprising. Because humility is the last thing that human wisdom would expect to bring you riches, glory, and life. But that's what Proverbs is predicting. 
What does it mean to be humble? It means to prefer others above yourself. It means to be quick to admit wrong. It means to gladly submit to authorities in your life. It means to uh, uh, minimize others' shortcomings. It means to be thankful for criticism in your life. It means to possess a gentleness and a patience towards others. It means to be a good listener because you're not always thinking about yourself. It means that you become thankful because you expect nothing and everything you get you are thankful for. That's what it looks like to be humble. But that doesn't sound like the victor's life. That sounds like the loser's life. If I get low, everybody's going to walk over me. If I humble myself, people are going to make fun of me. People are going to take advantage of me. I don't want to get low. Low is for losers. But we must embrace this because God's word says this. Humility is great reward. And and if, if nothing else, this is what I want to communicate to you. Humility, my friend, is your greatest friend. And pride is your greatest enemy. You will never get anywhere in life until you recognize this truth. Humility is my greatest friend, and pride is my greatest enemy. Because humility is reward. But pride comes between you and all that you need to put on to become more and more like Christ. Matter of fact, Andrew Murray says a very shocking statement. He says, pride is the root of every evil and sin. What a statement. Think about every single sin in your life. Pride is at the root of that. Humility is a great reward, but there's something else we must learn here from Proverbs. Humility is at the center of great living. Now, perhaps you don't see that, but let's, let's focus on this a little bit. Humility is at the center of great living. Oh, what is the reward of humility? It, it says here in Proverbs, riches, honor, and life. Once again, this is not a, a promise, like I, I will get rich if I humble myself. It's, it's more of a prediction. This is how God's world generally works. But just look at how this proverb seems to flow in all of the Proverbs that are surrounding it and before it. There seems to be kind of a a general selection here. The the, the writer of the Proverbs seems to be putting a lot of Proverbs together that that have a general theme, and they all kind of center around this idea of humility. Humility brings reward if it's at the center. Like, for example, verse 1 of Proverbs 22, did you see that? A good name to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Oh, where does such wisdom come to prefer a great name over riches? It comes from a heart of humility. Godliness over wealth. It comes from humility. This is more valuable. Or verse 2, where does such a perspective come? Or where does such a perspective come to see all men as equal before their maker? Rich, poor, meet together. The Lord is the maker of them both. We all answer to God. Where does such a, a perspective come from? It comes from humility. 
Or how about verses 3 and 5? And, and this is where it kind of suggests that they're intentionally putting these Proverbs together. Um, Proverbs 3 says, A prudent man sees evil and hides, but the simple pass on and are punished. And look at the parallel there in verse 5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. He who keeps his soul, though, will be far from them. Oh, where does such skillful perception and precaution come from that one person can almost look at life with future vision. I know where this road will take me. I know where this choice will lead me. This will lead me to thorns and trouble and despair. Or this will lead me to joy and happiness and peace. Where does that come from? It comes from humility of the heart. And notice, that's why he puts verse 4 there. But the reward of humility, the fear of Yahweh, is riches, honor, and life. Humility is the center of the great life. It is the center of all of your life from A to Z, you could say. If you, if you want all of these blessings, this, this, this skill in starting, you need humility. You start with humility and you go for the right goals. You see the end of life with humility and don't overvalue yourself or don't get high on your own story. You walk through life with humility and that is how you avoid traps. I need outside wisdom to help me to avoid the traps in my life. Notice, but the whole life is centered in humility because humility is a reward. And humility will bless the person who possesses it. Our summer camp theme this year is humility from dust to glory. And if you're wondering what in the world that phrase means, it's basically saying from dust, from creation to glorification, your whole life should be centered in humility or your missing life as God has called you to live. There should never be a time where your life should not be centered with humility. At the center of every created being ought to be humility. Everyone who is a created person ought to be a humble person. At the center of every redeemed being is and ought to be humility. There should be no Christian who is proud And even at the center of every glorified being, as we'll see at the end of this week, is true humility. From dust to glory. You do not know what it means like to be a creature until you put on humility. You do not know what it means to be a Christian until you put on humility. And you will not know glorification until you know perfect humility. Humility is... is The Christian life from A to Z, it's the beginning to the end. If you do not have humility, though, you have nothing. But notice that there is never a point in your life where your calling isn't to embrace humility. There is never a time. When you resist humility, you don't resist man. You don't resist your parents. You don't resist your teachers. You don't resist your coaches. You don't resist your pastors. But you resist God when you resist opportunities to humble yourself. Humility is at the center of great living. The third and final thing I want us to see here, though, from Proverbs about humility is that humility is more than just lowliness. Humility is more than just lowliness. Now listen to me. We're not 
advocating this weekend or this week for just having a lower estimation of yourself. My goal when you go home on Wednesday is not that you feel badly about yourself. That is not the kind of humility that God wants. I am not going for giving you guys a self-help guide to humbling yourself in five easy steps. That's not what I am pursuing here. I would say to you, glorious, blessed, rewarding life isn't from low self-esteem, but Proverbs' prediction is after something greater than just your own lowliness. The Bible wants you to pursue something bigger and larger than just feeling low about yourself or thinking small thoughts about yourself. That's a different kind of thought. But notice how humility is described here in your your Bibles. How is it described? It's more than just littleness. It's more than just being gloomy. It's more than just despondency. It's more than just contemplating your navel for a very long time. That is not biblical humility. What does humility look like? Look at this. True biblical humility is first and foremost a posture and an attitude that you have before God. It is thinking truth about God his person and his will and his word and what he says about himself, and it is humbling yourself in response. Humility, true biblical humility, is in response to who God is. Notice how it describes humility, the reward of humility, the fear of the Lord. Notice that. In some of your Bibles, maybe if you have ESV, you have the reward of humility and the fear of Yahweh. But I, I think it's better to say, as the LSB actually takes it, that, 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 that the, the Proverbs are actually equating the two. They're saying, this is that, right? The LSB takes it this way. Uh, um, humility is equal to fear. It's saying, humility, oh, which is the fear of Yahweh, that's what humility is. It's, it's a fearfulness of Yahweh. That when, when two nouns sometimes are put together, uh, usually they're, they're, they're being used in an oppositional way, which is basically saying that one is being used to describe the other. The second one is defining or explaining the other. And, and this is actually what we see here. Humility is explained, defined, and described as the fear of Yahweh. It is an attitude that you have in response to who God is. And you know what that attitude always is in the Bible? Fear. Fear and trembling because of who God is. You could almost say it like this. Look up humility in your thesaurus. What will you find? Fear. That's the true biblical kind of humility. And we should also say any humility that's not centered on who Yahweh is, is not actual biblical humility. Any humility that isn't a response to who God is, what he says about himself and about you is not true humility. All to say, humility isn't just trying to think low of yourself or less of yourself. Humility is thinking big thoughts about who your God is and responding accordingly in your life. It's thinking high, glorious, and even, may I say it, frightful thoughts about God. 
That is what humility is. Dan Phillips, in his um, commentary on God's wisdom in the Proverbs, he writes this, What then is the key to humility? It does not lie in fantasy or in finite comparisons, nor is it a matter of trying to convince myself that I am the that I am worse than I am in various ways, though Lord knows I am certainly bad enough. It is it is not in comparing myself to other people, for this is always shifting, subjective, uncertain, and standard. Rather, genuine humility rests in comparing myself to the infinite God. It is standing before the true and living God in all His holiness and vastness and glory. That is what puts you or me or us in our place. That is what humbles you. True humility is the fear of Yahweh. If you're just thinking low thoughts about yourself, that's not humility. Humility is a fear of Yahweh, a humble response to Yahweh. And, and can I even say this? It is, it is a response and it is a posture you put on in the teeth of difficult situations because you believe that your God is not just a puny God, but a God who is sovereign over all of your life. And that means your God is sovereign over this difficult situation that you are in right now as well. And that means that God has orchestrated this situation in your life to humble you. Because your God is a big God and not a small God. In this hardship, you should say, I'll I'll humble myself under God's word, God's wisdom, God's will, even if I fully don't understand what he's up to. Because my God is big and I am small. That is humility. That is the fear of of Yahweh. Humility is under God's word, under God's wisdom. And that really is the beginning of wisdom, isn't it? When you humble yourself under God, that is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says this, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, but ignorance fools, what do they do? They despise wisdom and they despise discipline. Ignorant fools do not humble themselves under God. They despise God. They despise instruction. But people who humble themselves under God put on the fear of God in their life. They find wisdom. And wisdom centers their life. And wisdom brings great reward. Do you see that? But only the kind of wisdom that is rooted in the bigness of God that results in a tremblingness in you. And a humility in you. What will humility look like in your life? It means it will look like you enduring suffering while continuing to say, God is still right. What will humility look like in your life? It means you will embrace hardship, believing that God is teaching you something. What will humility look like in your life? It means... You have an ear, you have a spirit, you have a mind that perks up whenever God's word is opened before you. This is God's word. I need to humble myself and listen to it when it is being proclaimed. What does humility look like? It looks like serving, practically serving others with no expectation of anything in return 
because you have been given so much that you do not deserve. What does humility look like? It means that you always have something that you can be thankful for. Because you always have a God who has been so abundantly gracious to you. What does humility look like? It means you humble yourself before people. It means you're even willing to humble yourself before unlikely, unqualified people who don't deserve your humility. Why? Because you have already humbled yourself before God. Humility will also look like praying for and preferring even enemies in your life. Because God has loved you while you were still his enemy. Humility will even look like celebrating others' achievement, that they achieve ahead of you or before you or on top of you. You can genuinely appreciate them. But really, what does humility look like? Humility really, really looks like rejoicing and receiving the truth of the gospel, does it not? That's what humility ultimately will look like. If you do not come to Christ, you cannot be humble. If you cannot humble yourself before Jesus Christ and come to him as Lord, come to him for salvation, come to him for his righteousness before God, you cannot be humble. This is what God tells us in Romans 4, 5. God tells us that the good news of Christ doesn't come to the one who works. Doesn't come to the best of us who have achieved greatness before God and standing and pride before God. No, that is not the person that the good news of Christ comes to. No, the good news of Christ comes to him who believes that God justifies the ungodly. That is the person that receives the gospel. I believe that God justifies me in my ungodliness and sin. Think about that. The gospel, though, is is only good news to those who rightly see themselves before God. You can only find good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ if you first understand who your God is. Holy, righteous, separated from sinners. And understand yourself in light of who God is. I am ungodly, cut off, doomed. I have fallen short. I am under just judgment that God should bring upon me and should be praised and glorified for my judgment. That is what believing the gospel is about. Believing who your God is and believing who you are before your God. But notice also, believing The gospel is only for the humble because God only justifies ungodly people. There is no other kind of way you can come to the gospel of Jesus Christ but through declaring your ungodliness and your sin. God only justifies the ungodly. There is no room for the gospel in the lives of those people who are pretty good. No, you must come. Not comparing yourself to others, but comparing yourself to God alone. Simply put, who belongs in hell? Who belongs in hell? The place of eternal separation from God, eternal present judgment by God. Who belongs there? The people who most believe that they belong in heaven. But who belongs in heaven? 
the people who know that they truly belong in hell, but by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, they have been saved, delivered, redeemed, and justified. You can only come to Christ through humility, and you can only have all of the life that God promises you through humility. Before I pray, in closing, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to pray for you. It's kind of a weird thing. I want to pray for you this weekend that your view of God would be elevated even more. Why? Because when your view of God is elevated more, your view of yourself is rightly humble. If, if you're seeking to just humble yourself based on what other people are like, I'm, I'm, not as, I'm not as bad as them, you will never find humility. But I pray this weekend that you will humble yourself before God, before God, and find Christ in him alone. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for um, this evening that we get to gather here together. We thank you for this word, this proverb that is full of sweet truth and also astounding definition of humility, and I pray that we would think this way. And I pray, God, through your grace, that you would help us to elevate our view of you so that we can rejoice more as your people. Thrilled that we get to be in fellowship with you. Thrilled that we get to rejoice in the righteousness of Christ alone. I pray that you would do this work in us this week. You would not leave us here only looking at ourselves, but you would cause us to leave this place looking and glorying in who you are. May we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come and also is our Savior. Amen.